Well, good morning. It's an honor to be here, and uh, let's start with prayer. Uh, Father God, I come to you now in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Just so thankful to be here, and just heard so many cool melodies as, uh, as we were singing today, but one was, uh, you make a way where there is no way. And so, Father, I ask that you would breathe into all of our hearts today, that we would believe that, that we would know that, and we'd live with that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. So, uh, we've been working on spiritual formations uh, for the past couple of weeks. Pastor Josiah has been leading us through um, a couple of things. So first, we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal one sin in our lives that we need to change. Do we at least kick one out? Okay, all right, good. Uh, we're practicing the way of Jesus. We identified one teaching from the Sermon on the Mount that we realized we need to put into practice, and we did it. Right? Okay, all right, good. Two for two. Uh, we're practicing meditation. And meditation is we agreed to meditate for 20 minutes, read the Bible 10 to 15 minutes, and then 15 minutes reflecting and asking questions about your reading and reflection. God, what's the game plan for today? That's only an hour every morning. You ready? You good? Got it? You're good? I got about seven minutes every day, but I'm on it. I'm working for eight. I'm looking for eight. The, um, and then today, uh, we're going to work on, well, then we did prayer. The Lord's Prayer acknowledges God's, this is really cool. I don't know if you guys knew this, but there was alliteration for the five Ps, right, within the Lord's Prayer, that he gives us his person, he gives us provision, he gives us the, uh, his purpose, provision, protection, and his preeminence, that he's got it. Right? And it's really important that we think, that we remember and realize that God does have it, because today we're going to talk about the Sabbath. Does everybody remember what the Sabbath is? It's one day a week where you absolutely shut down, you don't do any work, you uh, maybe you unplug, right? Maybe you just totally check out. Uh, it's, not hard, it's not easy to do. And so it seems like I should be able to tell you God wants to give you an extra day off every week, and you should take it. And we should be done, and we should go do that right now. But um, for some reason, we kick against that. I'm not really sure why. But um, the Bible says in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11, Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it, made it special, made it a special day. Who did he make the day for? Did he make it for himself? No, he made it for us. He made the Sabbath day for us. And so, in a more recent text, uh, you read, closed on Sunday, you my Chick-fil-A. And so... Um, it's making the rounds. So God says, take a day off. Most of us say no. I wonder why. Oh, that was Kanye West for the older guys. So um, in 2008, I was the director of business development for North America. I had reps in California, Tennessee, Texas, Chicago. And um, I was traveling all over the place. I wasn't taking a Sabbath. I was just always moving, always flying around. And then one day, I got a call that said, we're shutting down the division. I have to lay everybody that works for me off. That was hard. It put a lot of stress on me. I, de I decided I was going to fly out to each of them, meet them face to face, and let them know that we were shutting down the division, and I did not have a place for them in the company. And so uh, that was a bad time. Uh, the next week, uh, there was a, a press release that said the president of my sales division and the president of sales overall for the entire organization resigned. Uh, when you're the president, when you resign from a big company, that means they fired you and said, uh, you'll be resigning tomorrow. And so uh, they were let go. And then I was told that I was going to be the director of sales training and leadership development. Sounded pretty interesting. I said, great. Who's going to be on my staff? You. And so now I had to create a training department from the ground up with no staff except me. And then I got a phone call from my boss and he said, there might still be some more cuts. And so I'm traveling all over the place, I'm flying everywhere, and now I'm thinking, my job is next. So that was on Friday morning. On Sunday afternoon, I was working, 
And all of a sudden, in my left eye, it started to go black. It started to go a little more black. I said, Ainge, I think I got something in my eye, and it's making my vision close in. She goes, that doesn't sound good. We're going to the emergency room. Well, I have never had this experience before, so I agreed I was going. So we get to the emergency room. It's a little trick. If you want to get into the emergency room fast, you describe to them what apparently are stroke symptoms, that your vision is closing in. They literally stop asking you questions. They walk you to the back. You walk right in. The doctor meets you at the door, and they start doing tests on you immediately. <clears throat> I thought, if I broke my leg, I'm telling them I'm stroking out before I'm telling them I broke my leg. <laughs> and so, because, man, it was like right now. So I'm like, what are you guys talking about? So they're like, well, your vision closes in. That's probably a TIA, which is a transient ischemic something. And so I go, what the heck is that? They said, well, that's a mini stroke. I go, a mini stroke? What do you mean a mini stroke? Strokes kill people. He goes, well, you need to take it easy, man, because this is something that your stress in your life is catching up with you. Whoa. I go, what are we going to do? He said, you're going to stay in the hospital for three to five days until we can figure out what's going on and you get a handle on this. <laughs> it's kind of weird going from like working in the yard to I'm a stroke victim, right? Mini stroke. I'm a mini stroke victim. I'm not a mini anything. But anyway, I was, a, I was, I was like freaking out that this just happened to me. And so three days later, Angel took a picture of me when I was in the hospital bed. And she wouldn't have known it, but three days later when she took another picture of me, it went, look, my face looked scrunched up in the first day. And then the last day, I looked like I'd been to the spa for three days. It was like everything was relaxed. I was good. So Angel and I realized the rhythm of our life at the time was not conducive to good health. And so we decided, as good Christians, that we would think about this Sabbath thing. You know, I've heard about it. I think it's in the top ten commandments. I'm not sure, but we should probably look into this. And so we started to think about how do we get a Sabbath into our chaotic schedule. And you know what we realized? It sounds odd, but it took work to set up yourself for a good Sabbath. And so that's probably why we don't do it. We don't realize there's some work that's involved in getting to a good Sabbath. So that's one of the things we're going to talk about today. And so as we move through, there's three things we're going to talk about today, which are that it takes more faith to really take a Sabbath. It takes more planning to get to a Sabbath, and if we do it, we'll have more of everything. And so I want you to think about this. What would your life look like if you took a Sabbath every week? And as we talk about what Sabbath is and what it can do for you, I don't know why you would ever say no, but apparently you are, so we're going to keep going. And so in Genesis 2, right, so Genesis 2, 1, so what happened in Genesis 1? God created everything. He's done now. And now we're in Genesis 2.1. And it says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. Done. And on the seventh day, God ended his work with each with which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. God is working right now. God is probably not taking a Sabbath. Can't say for sure, but I don't think he's taking a Sabbath. I know he's busy right now. So why would he take a Sabbath at finishing creation? He wanted to model that for us. He wanted to show us that when you work hard for six days and you get the work done, it's, a, it's time to rest. And he created that into the model of our life, right? And so, there have been societies that have tried to have 10-day weeks. The French tried it once. Other societies have tried. But it always goes back to seven days. Seven days, the seventh day is a Sabbath. Start a new week. Seventh day is a Sabbath. Start a new week. Seventh day is a Sabbath. Start a new week. And then it adds up. You do 52 of those, or actually 53 of those, and you get them. I mean, uh, wait a minute. Not 50, it's 13 months times 52, right? So 52 of those. But in the Jewish calendar, it's 13 months. Why? Because it's just four weeks a month. Four weeks is a month. Four weeks is a month. Four weeks is a month. So that means how many days in a month in the Jewish calendar? 28 for you math wizards, right? And the rest of you are trying to keep up. So 28 days, right, in the Jewish calendar. Why? It's the perfect rhythm. 
It's the rhythm. It's the rhythm God put into all of creation, and he put it into your life. Psalm 23, 1 through 3 says, and we know that we, so it's so weird. The 23rd Psalm is read at almost every funeral, right? But, but to me, it's such a beautiful Psalm for living, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Bingo, I want that, right? I want to not want, right? And you do too. And so he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Now, the still waters in the NIV is actually the quiet waters. And apparently he led you here today beside the quiet waters if you pay attention. And so it's right out of the word. Come on. So he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What does that mean? It means if we do it well, he's proud of us. If we do Sabbath well, he'll be proud of us. Dad's going to say, hey, son, hey, daughter, nice job on the Sabbath last week. You should probably do it again next week, right? And so when you go against the grain of God's creation, you generally get splinters, right? So you want to make sure you're rolling with the grain. God created it, right? There's a reason we should follow it. The Sabbath is an act of trusting God. Isn't that really what he, like in that, the lyric, you make a way where there is no way. How come you didn't make a Sabbath week? I had, some, I had some work to do. Why didn't you put it off? It's got to get done. Well, what if God said he was going to get it done for you? I don't know if I can trust him. He created everything. I think he can get your report done. He created everything. I think he can make the email go away. He created everything. I think he can handle one less text. He's got it. But you have to entrust it to him. There's loose ends. I haven't gotten it all done. You have to let him have it. We, for some reason, we won't let him have it, and we've got to let him have it. That's the only way we can do a Sabbath is we trust God with the details. If there's a loose end, he's going to take care of it. If he doesn't take care of it, it wasn't as important as you thought it was. Let it go. So Sabbath is how we practice the sovereignty of God that he really is in control. He really does have it. He really does care about you intimately. And if you think about it, God's the creator of everything, right? He helps me get all my work done. If I take Sunday off, I'm going to have to leave everything in his hands. Matthew says, Matthew 11:28 28 to 29, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are labor or heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest. Jesus says, come to me, all of you that are working too hard, and I will give you rest. He goes, take my, take my role on. Take what I want you to do on. It's the important stuff. And it's going to be light. If you're freaking out, you've got the wrong yoke. But how can you take the wrong yoke off? You have to trust God that he's going to take it off. And he's going to put this new one on, and he's going to get the important stuff done. But we're firefighting all week long, trying to take care of this, take care of that. I've got a little secret for you. You're not getting it all done. Whether you work six or seven days, you're not getting it all done. Wouldn't it be great if you took the seventh day off, at least got a nap anyway, and trust God to get the rest done, and then just believe that on Monday the important stuff was done, and the unimportant stuff, flush it, let it go, right? So Matthew 12.8 says, for the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. God created this practice for the Jews, the earth, and Christians. little debate whether the Sabbath is for the New Testament folks. And it is. That's why it's all through the New Testament. But it's not a law in the New Testament. It's dad saying, kids, take a break. Because I love you, this is the right way to live. If you think about it, only God knows where you're going. Only God knows how you're going to get there. God's got the keys, the map, the gas. It's his car. He made the road. Why won't you let him drive? And if you want to argue with me about you're letting him drive, then that means you're taking a Sabbath because you trust him. You literally are shutting down from sundown on Saturday night to sundown on Sunday night. And then you're picking up the emails and the texts at 7.35 on Sunday night because you've got to get back in it. But that's okay. You took a Sabbath. You took a break. He wants us to take a break. 
he knows, he knows that he made you in such a way that you need a break. It's in the instructions, right? The guy that made you says, sorry, the God that made you made some instructions that say every seven days you need to take a break. Anybody walk, driving around with maintenance soon on their car, right, in the idiot light? I am. I got it right now. We hit it, we hit it two days ago. I'm like, eh, I'm preaching on Sunday. I don't have time to go to the car place. So, but I'm going to be there early next week because the little lights, every time I start the car, it says, you're late, right? Well, I need one of those in my eyelids that says when I close my eyelids, like, hey, you need a Sabbath. You're late, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm still pushing too hard and I need this break. So Sabbath was made for man. It's for the man's benefit, really. We would all be wise to observe the Sabbath, to give our bodies a chance to recuperate. But we are so geared up that we press and push all the time. But God made it for you. Take advantage of it and kick back. That's Pastor Chuck Smith. He's the one that started Calvary Chapel. He's the one that Josiah trained under for his teenage years. I mean, Chuck's a pretty smart guy. He knows God. Josiah always complains about him because he never answered a question with anything but a verse. Right? Hey, Pastor Chuck, what do you think about this? Well, the Bible says. What do you think about this? Well, God says. What do you think about this? Well, the Spirit led Josiah, you know, to say. And so it's like, uh, when are you going to give me your opinion? Why would I want to give my opinion when I can give you God's word? Right? And so God's word is true. But what if we don't? What if we don't do a Sabbath? Anybody ever experienced fatigue? Fatigue refers to the issue that issues that arise from excessive working time or poorly designed shift patterns. It is generally considered to be a decline in mental and or physical performance. Tune in. You're working harder so that you can achieve a decline in mental and physical performance that results from the prolonged exertion, sleep loss, and or disruption of the internal clock. Who put the internal clock in there? The internal clock saying, hey, it's day seven, take a break. Oh, we're pressing on. I want to get to that lower productivity. <laughs> According to the National Institute of Mental Health, some 40 million Americans, nearly one in seven of us, are suffering from some kind of anxiety. Look around, the three people to your right and the three people to your left, not you, but one of them is suffering from anxiety. And so, and one in four of us is stricken with debilitating anxiety. 53 million prescriptions for Xanax or this other one I can't explain, uh, Zativan, 53 million prescriptions in the U.S. alone last year. 53 million prescriptions for two anxiety drugs, and there's more. 53, $50 billion are spent annually treating anxiety in the United States. Shabbat is free. It's free. Let's do it. Okay, so, so what do we do? Right? How, what do we do to trust God? How do we do it? Well, first of all, you have to establish this rhythm. Right? There's got be, to become a rhythm in the first six days so that we can have a great seventh day. Right? If we don't work, think about the seventh day during the six days, we're never going to get there. It's just going to keep running over. Right? It's just keep oozing. So we establish these rhythms in our community we, that sustain us. So the first thing in the daily rhythms of receiving, receiving the, the sustenance that we, that from the hand of God. Every day we should seek God's provision for our basic needs and expect it. We are going to get what we need, I promise you, because he promises you. Our very identity as Christians is shaped by patterning our, ourselves after God's rhythm, working six days and then resting on the seventh. Before the 10 commandments were even given, God was modeling the Sabbath. It's not just a commandment, it's the smart way to live. Keeping a Sabbath is counterintuitive and goes against our grain, especially as hardworking Protestant work ethic, ethic Americans, right? We're supposed to be working. What do you, you know, like how, you meet somebody, you don't say, hey, what church do you go to? You go, what do you do? What do you do? That's your role. What do you do? What do you do? I don't have a job right now. What's wrong with you? There's something wrong with you. You must be freaking out. You don't have a job right now. Okay, I have a job. Okay, what's your job? Well, that's, the, okay, great. What do you do? Like, in America, our role defines us societally. But according to God, we don't have to do it that way. What if we define ourselves as a child of God? Next time you're at a dinner party, hey, what do you do? I'm a child of God. <laughs> that will spark a really great conversation or, or somebody will be heading out the back door. <laughs> so little by little, we learn how to enter into the shared discipline that builds trust in the very rhythm of our lives. 
every week we have the opportunity to enter into this exercise of trust, trusting God, and we do this together. We're going to have to support each other, right? We're a a gigantic support group for doing the Sabbath now because it's going to take time. It's going to take friends. You're going to be like, wait a minute. I tried. It didn't work out so well. I was doing this, but then all of a sudden somebody called me. What if I go on airplane mode from Saturday night to Sunday night? Will I die? Right? Some of you maybe, right? But unplugging is a critical part of Sabbath, right? Because how many of you hit send and expect that that means received? Right? I can see that he read it. It's right there on the phone. He read it. How come he's not texting me back? He's taking a Sabbath. Well, then why do you read it? I see he read it. I don't know. So, through this very concrete discipline, we live out our belief that somehow the work that we could accomplish in six days will be enough. And God could be trusted with running the world while we rest. Just think about this. If God can't handle it, then we're all in trouble. God can handle it. You just have to believe it. The more you believe that God can handle the details of your life, the setbacks, the ups, the downs, the more you believe he can handle all of those things and put it in order for you. How about this? What if you just thought, if I step out for one day every seven, I let God take over and he can fix my mess. Right? But if I keep pounding on it, I'm not making room for him to work on it. It's your Uncle Mike looking out for you. So, the daily, week, daily and weekly rhythms teach us to value and honor God with our time. It's a radical reordering of what we do. And so we don't handle this well, because even in Christianity, 20,000 Christians around the world identify business and constant overload as the major distraction from God. How come you didn't work, read your Bible this morning? You wanted to, right? How come you didn't? Well, if you worked where I worked, and you worked how, drove how far I drive, and right, if you did what I did, and if you had to make the phone calls, I, well, right, I get it. You, God can't handle what you've got so that you've got to handle it so you don't have time to be with him. These are decisions and discussions we have to have with ourselves. Do I know your work schedule? I don't. Is Sunday the right day for Sabbath for you? I'm not sure. Do you need a day every seven days to rest and take a Sabbath? Yes, absolutely. But I have this crazy schedule. You're going to have to stop and meditate on it and figure it out. You're going to have to stop and pray about it and figure it out. You're going to have to stop and read your Bible about it and wait for God to show you the way because there is a way. There is a way. We sang it today, and I know we believed it. He makes a way where there is no way. Right? So you can't do the Sabbath without him. But you can definitely do it with him. Does this make sense? Cool. So the guy that did the study on the Christians, he says that there's five reasons that we're all starting to freak out as Christians even, of the 20,000 that he surveyed. Christians are assimilating a culture of busyness. Are we supposed to assimilate the culture of anything but the church and the world, like the world according to God? No, we're not supposed to take on the world, right, in their ways. Hurry, overload, God becoming marginalized, deteriorating relationship with God, Christians becoming more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions, starting to see things the world's way, right? And then through conformity, it starts all over again. It's just a vicious cycle, right? But if we decide to not conform to this world, but be transformed by God, right, for the renewing of our mind, Right? We can live out this life. The Sabbath rest still remains for the people of God. Let us therefore make every effort to take that rest. That's right out of Hebrews. And so Sabbath keeping is more than just a day of rest. It's a way of ordering your entire life around a pattern that is God's, working six days and then resting on the seventh. There are constant contrasts in this rhythm. There's work and rest. There's give and receive. There's uh, be and do, act and surrender. Some of those words are my favorite words. Surrender, rest, right? I don't, I don't do surrender well. I struggle with that. I am definitely rebellious to the core of my flesh. I need to work hard to surrender. I need to work hard to receive. But when I do surrender, and when I do receive to the maker, the creator of all, it goes better for me. I don't know why it's hard for me to do that after the first time through, but I still struggle. 
I know this is a struggle. I live this. But there are things you can do and decisions you can make. And if you put the effort in, and I'll go back to what we did a couple of weeks ago, which is meditate, right? Work on meditating with God. God, how do I do this in my life? How do I do this in my life? Does he drop the answer on you the first time you ask? No. But meditation is phenomenal when you keep asking the same question over and over again. I don't know when he's going to answer it, but it's cool when he does. And what an awesome thing when you get an answer through meditation from God. You're like, okay, not sure if that's the way I would have written it, but I'm definitely doing that one. That one's for me because you gave it to me through revelation from meditation. And so the day itself is set apart, devoted completely to rest, worship, and delighting in God which means that the balance of the week must be lived in such a way as to make Sabbath keeping possible, right? This goes back to the six days set up the seventh day, right? So if we let the seventh day, the six days leak into the seventh day, we didn't get our work done, it's going to be really hard to get the Sabbath, right? So ideally what we're doing is most of us try to keep our paid work into the five days, five day work week. And if we can, we can keep it all into the five days. And then we set our household chores, shopping, running errands, things like that. We set that side for the day before the Sabbath. And then we either get that done or we don't. But at sundown, Sabbath starts. And whatever chores you didn't get done, whatever errands you didn't get done, it'll wait. It'll wait till the day after Sabbath. Or it'll wait till sundown Sabbath. It's up to you. But it will wait. And we're doing this now. My wife says, hey, go to the dry cleaners on Monday. On Wednesday, I go to the dry cleaners. Tuesday could have been my Sabbath, right? Because I just, I didn't get to it anyway, right? Because it just didn't work out. But I could be doing this on purpose, right? I could say, listen, I'm going to get things done on Saturday. I'm going to wake up on Saturday. I'm going to get things done on Saturday. Sunday's my day, day of rest. Yeah, but I, I deserve to sleep in on Saturday too. I deserve two days of rest. You deserve hell. Thank God we have a Savior. And so, so I'm just going to say this, that... Oh, you're paying attention. So, so when you think about this Saturday rest, but what if you got up on Saturday, just started doing the work that you got to get done for your life, your household and everything else personally, then Sunday, then Saturday night, you know, after dinner, you're going to bed, you're hanging out. You're like, I'm done. I'm out. Some of you can't even see this. Like it's not, it's like it's so foreign. Like I'm just done and I'll be back tomorrow night after dinner. Like I'm not, I'm done. I'm out. Right. God says, you guys can do this. I'm offering it to you. We'll call it Shabbat or Sabbath. We'll do this thing, right, where we won't do anything. Yeah, but I, there's no goddess. What? I don't got to do, no, you, gotta, you don't got to do nothing. You just hang out. Just chill. Pastor Chuck says, just kick back. Just kick back. Wait a minute, what, about a, what if I don't get it done by Saturday night? It'll be there Monday. Or it won't. Or it won't. Right? I don't know if you guys have ever had this, but I've trusted, on, I've trusted the Sabbath where Saturday I was freaking out, wasn't done. Uh, just going to trust God. And then Monday morning, that crazy project that I was supposed to be working on all through the weekend, somebody got a crazy hair and goes, ah, we're not doing that anymore. Wait a minute. I almost worked 12 hours on a Sunday for something you're going to shut down on Monday? God knows. God knows. His keys, his car, his gas, his road. Let him drive. Let them drive. I'm telling you, let them drive. And the other thing around work is if you don't, if you work at some place and you think I got to work on Sunday because the company's open on Sunday, not true. If you walk into any company in the United States and you say, I am observing the Sabbath for religious reasons and my Sabbath is going to be Wednesdays, they might honor it. But if you say it's Sunday, 95% of them are going to honor it because that's what the law says. You can't persecute me. You can't keep me from observing my religion. Right? If, if you think you shouldn't see a burqa checking you out at Walmart, well, how did they do that? Well, they said, I wear this clothing because this is how I observe my religion. And then the company goes, okay, you're allowed to observe your religion in the United States. Well, I observe my religion by taking a Sabbath. I don't work on Sundays. So my oldest daughter... Got a job at Staples, her first job. After she got the job, she said, I don't work on Sundays. They never scheduled her on Sundays. My middle daughter, Samantha, so Madeline, no work at Staples. She went to work at Starbucks. 
Apparently Starbucks hates Christians, but we love their coffee anyway, right? So, but I'm not sure if they do or not, but I've read, I've read some tweets. And so, but the, but if they, whether they do or they don't, right? When they, when my daughter said, I don't work on Sundays, she didn't get a shift on Sunday. She got promoted to supervisor at one point, And then all of a sudden, when she called out everybody else that was out on Sunday taking their Sabbath, well, she had to go in because she was the only one left. But, but she, I mean, listen, she worked like four times in four years on a Sunday versus whatever 52 times four is, 208, right? So she got 204 Sabbaths out of those four years because she said, I don't work on Sunday. If your boss is scheduling on Sunday and you haven't said you don't work on Sunday, say it. Right? If you're serious about it, more often than not, they're going to honor that. But you've got to say something. They're not going to see you from your great behavior every day and go, you know, they must be a Christian. They probably want Sunday off. I'm just going to give it to them. Right? But if they told you you had to get on your knees and, cru- and you weren't allowed to use the mop anymore, you had to scrub with a sponge the floors instead, you'd let them know, wouldn't you? Because it's important. So if Sabbath is important, you'll let them know. My son, Jake, he went to work for... Chick-fil-A. Closed on Sunday. You my Chick-fil-A. And so, so he didn't have to worry about it, right? So if you're, if you're serious about the Sabbath, you'll, make, you'll try to make it happen, right? Because they will respect you. But you got to say something, right? You just got to say something. It's not an ugly conversation, but you just got to have that conversation. If they say no, now you got to see what you got to do. But if they say yes, you get Sundays off. How cool is that? Right? But then, don't pick up a side job. Have a Sabbath. Right? So, the point of the Sabbath is to honor the body's need for rest. We're wired with this need. The spirit's need for replenishment and the soul's need to delight in God. Right? For God's own sake. Are we willing to acknowledge the limits of our humanness? Right? Or are we going to keep playing, trying to play Superman and Superwoman throughout our weeks and just keep running down because Superman and Superwoman, apparently they'd run into kryptonite at some point because their productivity is going down. Their energy level is going down. Even though they're working harder and harder, it's not making that muscle stronger. They're wearing out, right? So we can't fall, we can't fall into the trap that God needs us. Does God need us? I would argue he puts up with us. That uh, I think he would be much more efficient without us, but that's just me. You can think that out through your, for yourself. But we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for beforehand that we should walk in them. But he doesn't say we're the only ones created for those good works. Right? Sometimes I hear in a podcast once in a while, it'll say like, that ministry is uniquely yours. You were the only one created to do that. That is not what I've observed in life. If somebody falls down in ministry and doesn't fall, like somebody, it's next man up, next woman up, next person up. Like we're, like it's, there's no ministry that just goes, goes away because a person went away. God, if it's God's ministry, he will build it back up. He will restore it or he'll accomplish his tasks a whole nother way. Where there was no way, he makes a way. It's not always what we expect. The verse, there's a verse in, um, in the book of Esther it always humbles me because Mordecai is Esther's uncle. Esther's being asked. She's been made queen in a foreign land. She's a Jewish queen in a non-Jewish country, right? And she's, in, she's got a lot of authority now. But her uncle says, hey, you need to use your authority for the Jewish people. She's like, that ain't going to happen. That's going to go very, very poorly. I don't want to do that. And so Mordecai says, for if you remain completely silent at this time, Relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. Like if Esther, this is your shot. Do it. But if you don't, God will send somebody else from somewhere else to accomplish his purpose. Like if if I don't get out of bed one morning, God doesn't go, so much for that plan. Thanks sleeping in. Like that's just not how it works. Right? He is going to get his will done. He would like you to participate. He would like you to have the honor of doing things with God. He loves doing things with his kids, just like your dad. When I worked with my dad as a little kid, I made every job take three times as long. 
I mean, my dad was screaming at me all the time, going, this is taking longer. Why don't you do it like I do it? Why, where did you go? Where are you? Right? So I wasn't a good worker as a kid. But my dad still called me out the next Saturday and said, hey, let's do it again. Because my dad loved doing things with me. My God loves doing things with me and you. He loves, that's why he's doing life with you. Not because he needs you, because he loves to. And he loves you. Right? So just get that perspective right so that we can get it right. Because when we're doing this well, we're glorifying God. But even glorifying God, the Bible says, he doesn't need us for that. There's some verses like in Psalms, it says, let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea roar in all of its fullness. I'm not in that. Let the field be joyful in all that is in it, then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord. I'm not in that, but God's being rejoiced, right? So the nature cries out. If we don't cry out, nature will. God will be glorified. He doesn't need us. He, it's even better. He wants us. But for us to do our best, what do we need? Rest every seven days. We've got to figure it out. So what do we do? Well, there's three things that we don't do in the Sabbath. First one, kind of the obvious one, work. Can you do yard work? If you feel like you have to do yard work, the answer is no. If you feel like yard work lets you get away and it's just your thing that you love to do and it makes your heart sing, that ain't me, but if that's you, then, then you can do yard work on the Sabbath because it's a good thing for you. It's not a good thing for me. I'm not supposed to do it on the Sabbath or on Saturday, so that way, honey. But um, <laughs> buying and selling. I don't have anything after this because I don't even want to talk about it, but I do buy stuff on the Sabbath. This isn't one of the things, but you are forcing somebody else. You, because you're buying something, somebody else is working on the Sabbath, right? Now, you might be able to talk to them while you're buying something on the Sabbath and say, hey, you should try to get Tuesday as your new Sabbath. I don't know if you're going to be doing that, but, but buying and selling creates work. So in the whole big rhythm of things, just make sure you're not buying anything from another Christian. Just kidding. I don't know. I don't know how it works out. It's really complex. It's a hard one. But if you work hard at it, you'll figure it out. But you can't blow it off. I'm challenging you. You've got to consider it. You can't go, oh, no, I'm not doing the buying and selling. I'll do the buying and selling thing. That's not my Sabbath. Walk it through. Just walk it through. Make sure you think about it. Make it one of the things you meditate on. And then worry. Anybody worry? I thought you guys knew Christians don't worry. It's right there in the Bible. We don't worry. What a crack. I mean, we worry all the time. I mean, I'm sorry. We don't worry. We're concerned. <laughs> Never worried in my life. I'm not scared. I'm just concerned about a lot of things. And so... But you, but you think about this, this worry, like one of the things is this FOMO, right? This fear, this fear of missing something. I'm in fear of missing out. If I, if, I, if I take the day off, what if, I mean, could you imagine how many what ifs there are if, for the Sabbath? I'm going to turn the phone off. What if? <laughs> There's like 19 apps people can reach me through on my phone. I mean, if you shut them all down, what am I going to do? Take a nap. Talk to the person next to you. I don't know. You know, there's, there's some options. The Psalm 37 is so awesome about this. It is such an awesome psalm. But the verses 1 through 8 specifically, do not fret. It's another, way, another, another Christian word for worry. I'm not worrying. I'm fretting. Don't fret. And so, do not fret over, of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Don't look on at the world and worry about what they're doing and think, man, I wish I was with them. Don't do that. For they shall be cut down like the grass. And wither away like green herb. That's not good. In case you don't do a lot of yard work. You don't want to be cut down like grass. You want to wither away like the herb. So don't worry about them. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. I just told you the desire of your heart once a week is a nap. He's going to give it to you if you just make some room for it. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. He shall bring it to pass. You're making that plan on Friday for how you're going to get things done on Saturday so you're not going to be able to work on Sunday. If you commit it to him and trust him, he will bring it to pass. He's promising you. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and the justice in the new day. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in the way, in his way because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Don't worry about it. 
Don't watch CNBC Shark Tank and go, I wish I was like him. He looks like he's working on sun. Let it go. Let it go. And cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret or worry or be concerned. It only causes harm. It doesn't say it does a lot of good and it causes harm. Only, only. It's the only thing it does. I worry a lot. Well, the only thing it does is harm. Well, I'm concerned about a few things. The only thing it does is harm. I was fretting last night. Well, the only thing it does is harm. It just does one thing, and that is harm. Let me sign up for that. Less productivity, less effectiveness, and now harm. I'm on a roll. So <laughs> Psalm 37 is a good place to hang out for a while because it's so awesome. I love to think that the desires of my heart, God's going to look down and bring them to the past. I want that. I love that. He loves me so much, and it's just evidence. What is part of the Sabbath? Rest your body. Rest. Pastor Chuck said, kick back. Just rest, right? Replenish your spirit. Well, how do I do that? Well, unplug. Unplug. The Jews considered married couples making love on the Sabbath is a double mitzvah. Mazel tov, right? I mean, that is like, hey, let's get married. So, I'm just saying, the Jews got this Shabbat thing down. They've been thinking about it for 4,000 years longer than we have. What are those things that really replenish you? Unplug. What does unplug mean to you? Then do it. For me, it's just airplane mode. You put that sucker in airplane mode, you start to shake a little bit. I mean, it's, whoo. And so, airplane mode. And then restore your soul. Make time for worship, quiet reflection. The other, the other for, spiritual formations we're working on, you've got to make time for those. What a great time on the Sabbath is just, just chill out with God and meditate and pray and reflect. And then, and then he might drop something on you and says, hey, this is what you're really supposed to be doing tomorrow. I'm like, hey, cool. God showed me I'm supposed to go to work here. Like, how cool is that versus just punching in and punching out every day to know that I'm exactly where God wants me to be. How do you get there? While we're restoring my soul, I tune in with God and I check in with him and go, what's important to you, God? And then when your boss offers you an extra day off once, once or twice a year, what do you do? No, boss. No, thank you. I've got lots of work to do. I'd like to keep chugging along. No, we say, boss, that's awesome. I'd love to take an extra day off. Thank you very much. What does God say? I'll offer you a day off every seven days. No thanks, God. I'm good. I need to keep working. And we really say that to him. We really do. Like, no thanks. God, you, you're the creator of everything. You think I should take the day off? I know better. Seriously, do you know what I have to do on Monday? Do you know what kind of, how big the project is? Well, God might say, if he was my dad, well, Mike, you could have started on that project two weeks ago. I don't know why you waited till Saturday at noon. It happens, right? So that's why it says more planning. He doesn't say stop working. He wants you to work hard. He made work was in the Garden of Eden before the fall. Adam was working, but it was fun and it wasn't hard. Then after sin, it became hard and not so much fun. But work has always been there. God made the Garden of Eden. Adam went to work. And so work is good, but not seven days a week, six days a week. How many days a week? Six days a week, right? Not seven. So I was joking with somebody, but um, I actually read a couple of hashtags this week. There's a hashtag called Sunday Scaries. Anybody ever hear this hashtag Sunday Scaries? How about job creep? Can you imagine what job creep is? That's your job finished on Friday. Now it's creeping into my Saturday. And if I don't stop it, it's going to creep right into my Sunday. Job creep. It's like, ever watch that show, The Blob from the 50s? The scary big thing, it just kind of oozes into everything and kills everybody. Well, that's kind of like what job creep might be, because you might be like me, stroking out one day. And so, I'm just saying. So, you want to make sure that you're doing whatever you can, right? The world is saying this. This is the world going, you know, we should take a break once a week. We got the Sunday scaries. We got job creep. We got to do something. This isn't a pastor. These are CEOs, right? What is the most liberal thing, blog, blog site you can see on the internet? Is it Huffington Post? Maybe. Pretty liberal. Maybe. I've only heard. I read a few tweets. And so, but this is, so that, uh, what's Huffington's first name? 
uh, Ariana Huffington. Ariana Huffington, she passed out one day at work in 2007, fell, hit her head on the desk, she just collapsed. She'd been working 18 hour days, working too long, and she, she was trying to be super mom at home, super wife, and build this business up and make it rock. She built the business up, she did a great job. It doesn't matter what you think about what's printed there, it's, she did a great job. We know who Huffington is because of her work. And then one day she just, boom, collapsed. Why? No Sabbaths. She created a company now called Thrive Global. She left Huffington Post. She runs a company called Thrive Global. And Thrive is, if you get enough rest, you can do good work. She created a whole global entity around it. If you can get enough rest and live in the right cadence, and what do you think the cadence is she's discovering? Do you think it's the rhythms of God, the creator of the universe, and she feels like she's figuring this stuff out for herself? If she would have just read the Bible, she'd be like, this and if somebody gives her a Bible, I think you should mail her one. I think you should. Who's going to do that? Mail her a Bible and highlight in her the, 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 rhythms of the rhythms of how things go, and she'll be like, did you know there's a book that has this stuff in it? Why didn't I read this? And so here's what CEOs that subscribe to her are saying that they're doing to try to get a Sabbath rhythm back in their life. Be mindful of weekend communications. Don't send emails out to people late Saturday and force them to have to respond to you on Sunday. Be thoughtful. You can literally put it on a timer, right? You can send your email out so that it's not going to go out Saturday afternoon because you finally got around to it. It's going to go out Monday morning when Sabbath is over or maybe even Sunday night when Sabbath is over. Whatever you think is best. But it doesn't have to go out so you put some undue pressure on some dad that's trying to make a Sabbath in his family and trying to get things going or some mom that's trying to make things work in her family. She's trying to get the Sabbath thing rock and roll and she keeps getting emails from her bosses at Saturday at 9. Right? So you can help other people have a better Sabbath, right? By being conscious of that. Make Sunday a celebration. Make it important. Put a rhythm in for your family into Sundays. Everybody, Sunday dinner. That's always beautiful. Everybody thinks that's a thing from the past. It can be a thing of today. It might be a thing of today in your family. And it should be. Celebrate uh, game day. I'm still for naps. Naps are awesome, right? But celebrate Sunday. Make it special. Make something in the rhythm of your life over and over and over. That this is the way we do things. This is how our family gets together. Somebody uses technology to do, do FaceTime with their, with their son that's away in college. So they only sort of unplug, right? But they... They FaceTimed their son and they pulled him into the family dinner because he's, he's not there geographically. Technology can be a friend. It's usually not, but it can be a friend. And so, and make Friday a day to plan. Make Friday the day to plan. Plan next week for the five days of work. Plan it on Friday. Get it locked in. Then plan your Saturday. What's the stuff that I have to get done for myself so that I'm not worried about it next week? And then get that done on Saturday. And then guess what? Ta-da! Sabbath, right? And then during your Sabbath, get out in nature. That's where God's being glorified anyway, right? Get out, breathe in, go see. I mean, you know how far we are from the beach right now? Do you know how far you would be if you lived in Nebraska? I mean, we live like 10 miles from the beach right now, not even. Go to the beach. You don't even have to get wet. Just smell it in. Coconut, suntan oil, and salt air. It's awesome, right? We're so close to awesome things. We need to take advantage of them. And, and, but the only way you can do that, hey, when's the last time you were at the beach? I'm too busy. You got to get that. If you take a Sabbath every week, once a week, you're not too busy to do anything. I'm telling you, if you start thinking about this, you're going to say, why wasn't I doing this before? Why did I let life creep in? Has anybody heard the quote from Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife? She says, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Because the devil knows the rhythms of good life. And he doesn't want you to have them. Because unlike God who loves you, he hates your guts. And if he can't take your soul because you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, he would like to crush your life in between here in heaven as much as he can. He's the one that's trying to steal Sabbath. You are not doing the work of God trying to skip a Sabbath. You are doing, you're falling into the traps of Satan. You can't let that happen. You can't let that happen. So, what are we going to do? What are we going to do this week? Because I'm dropping this on you today, so I know you didn't get the plan for this Sabbath if you have other things already planned. But, I'm going to give you something I think you can pull off today anyway. And I think if you start it every week, 
you'll be on your way to a good Sabbath. First, dedicate two hours to being unplugged. Airplane mode, TV off. I know it's Sunday. You're freaking out. But if you're a Finn fan, the Finns have sold away all reasons to tune in on Sunday anyway. So for Finn fans can have a Sabbath. You have zero excuse. I can Sabbath for the next season for sure. And so, uh, and that includes Jet fans, Bengal fans, Redskin fans. There's a lot of people that don't need to be, that can have all the reasons in the world to have a good Sabbath. Football ain't a problem anymore. And so uh, plan on Friday, this Friday coming up, what needs to be done on Saturday, and then plan the following week. So literally, you've made this room. You've got to plan it. It's got to show up on your calendar. I know it's important to you by looking at your checkbook and looking at your calendar. And if you, don't, if you don't have a calendar, nothing's important to you. So you need to get one of those if you don't have one. But if you need to have a calendar, you need to make sure some things are important to you. And what's on your calendar, if you have Sabbath, sundown, I'm out. And then somewhere you, cl- you plug in there, two hours, I'm going airplane mode. I'm not turning on the TV. I'm checking out. I'm going to go walk. Maybe I'll walk to the beach. Or maybe I'll drive to the beach and walk at the beach. But I'm going to do something out in nature, right? I'm going to do something that I planned on. And then whatever your job is for those five days a week, don't touch it today. Today's the first day. I didn't even plan it. But God knew that Denker would be up here teaching on the Sabbath today. He knew Denker was going to be saying to you, don't work on work today. And he knew that he was going to have to take care of it. So he's on board. Are you? So three things. Dedicate two hours to being unplugged, off the grid. And you get to decide what this is because here's the cool thing. What I don't want you to take away from this is any rules. It's literally just a strong suggestion from your Father in Heaven who says, I made you to need this. You should do it. But you, I'll, I'm going to love you no matter how you run it. I'm going I'm to save you no matter how you run it. You don't do Sabbath, you're saved. You don't do Sabbath, Jesus loves you. Jesus is going to visit you in the hospital, but he loves you. Right? <laughs> He's saying you can live life well, or you can live it decrepit. Please don't choose to be decrepit on your own, because you ran yourself down. Take Sabbath. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you now in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, just so thankful. God, I just pray that everybody that heard your word today would just receive the love that you have for us, this blessing of a day where we just unplug from the world and plug into you, totally tuned in, totally with you, seeking your presence, actually hearing your voice, and then knowing your plans. Father, this is such an awesome opportunity for each and every one of us. And if we do it together, we will be better, stronger, and more prepared to take on the enemy's attacks and to do your good work. We want to do this for you in our church and in Deerfield Beach. We love you so much. And in the power of your Holy Spirit, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.